welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leland McRae. Welcome to another episode of the Yak Sports Podcast. I'm Leland McRae. Joe Deck is here. We're going to talk about high school football week nine leading into week 10 here. We have Patrick Hyde on later. We're going to focus on some uh, cheerleading and cross country in that segment. But before we get started, Joe, how's your life? Got anything going on? I do. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> this is actually take two of this to let people behind the scenes. This is actually take two of this opening uh, because I was being a lazy producer and did not post it Monday. Uh, and <laughs> now, uh, in case you don't follow me on social media, I was able to announce that I have been hired as the voice of VCU women's basketball and I'm doing play by play for them on ESPN plus for all their home games this season. Joe, man, I'm so pumped for you in this. I know I've told you that 18 times uh, directly when we've talked about this. Um, but, man, no one deserves it more. I know how hard you work and how uh, much preparation you put in to what you do for us on uh, 1240. So I'm so pumped that you have the opportunity to do this at a higher level. I mean, I'm going to cut on ESPN+. Plus. I'm going to listen to Joe Deck explain the game to me. I'm, I'm pumped. I'm just I, – I can't wait to, to hear you on that venue. Well – I appreciate that, Leland. And um, like I said in the Facebook post, which wasn't limited with the number of characters, thank goodness. Um, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of people to thank. Obviously, uh, you know, Andy Hayes gave me my first broadcasting job up in Northern Virginia uh, with game day broadcasting. And uh, Chip uh, put me on air here at ESPN 1240, which has been great. And I've enjoyed that. It's how I got to meet you. Andy hiring me at game day and then later contracting me for state championships is how I met Demetrius, who's the color commentator I'll be working with at VCU. Uh, and I, of course I got to thank him. I mean, he's helped help bring this opportunity to my attention and help get me in the door there at VCU. And I can't wait to be back working with him. Uh, he's a solid, solid guy, uh, amazing human being, even better broadcaster. Uh, and I, I just can't, can't wait to be back there and calling games at the Siegel Center with them again. And this time for VCU women's basketball and, you know, the kind words from you and so many others that have supported me uh, for years uh, really means a lot. And uh, I really appreciate it. Well, we know you're going to kill it at that. So uh, everybody listening to this podcast knows how, how well you do on air and hosting things. And you probably prefer the weeks that you kind of run the show more than I do. So uh, we know you're going to kill it. I'm just anxious to hear you, you know, being pro VCU from your, you know, your JMU fandom. That's quite the shift over to, to VCU, but uh, I know you'll do it well. I know you're a pro and, and I know uh, even when you and I talk behind the scenes of teams, we don't like once when you're in a professional setting, you, you handle that well. So I know you'll kill it and uh, that's what we're all expecting from you. And it's not even a, a mystery. That's what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, you know, I was joking with some people because, uh, I, I realized VCU is going to be the first black and gold team I think I've ever rooted for in my life. Normally those black and gold teams <laughs> so are from Pittsburgh. Buffalo Gap right now is like, oh. <laughs> uh, no, because at ESPN 1240, the boss, like you said, being a professional, we don't have favorites. We love all of our teams equally. Oh, we're not supposed to have favorites? All that red blood that I bleed everywhere every week is You is and everybody tough. else, but yes. Um, sure. Yeah, no. We don't have favorites at ESPN 1240. Uh, but 
yeah, most of those black and gold teams are from Pittsburgh, and those are teams I root against constantly. But all of a sudden, black and gold doesn't look so bad. Um, and <laughs> I am very happy to be rooting on VCU and the Rams uh, women's basketball team. And, yeah, I mean, when they play JMU, now I'm rooting for VCU. So we know who to, we know who to pull for. Well, good. Well, uh, so congratulations to you. I wanted to get that in on this podcast before it got out, so we'd have to wait a whole week to do this and let everybody make sure they know in case – I'm sure we have some listeners that don't really follow us on Twitter, so I just want to make sure everybody knew. But congratulations again. But let's dig into the high school football. Joe, you were at Wilson for the Stewart's Draft-Wilson game, and I think Aaron Nice might have just scored another touchdown there. That's all he does for the Cougars there. But, hey, uh, Cougars came out and absolutely, you know, swatted the Hornets away quickly. And, uh, you know, the Hornets were down – Noah Campbell, but still, Stuart Strap really showed their strength there. Yeah, I mean, his opening kickoff, Aaron Nice takes it all the way back for a touchdown. And it was kind of at that point that you were like, oh, okay. Um, and Wilson's offense never really got clicking. They had four first downs the whole game. Uh, and they, they struggled. I think, they, I think it actually ended up just being one of those statistical anomalies. They had one first down a quarter, Wilson. So it was bad. Um, their offensive numbers were bad. Uh, I think one of the plays was like a 30-yard run, and that accounted for, I think, I want to say something like 25% of their offense for the game or something like that. So it was just a bad night for Wilson's offense. And Draft played well. I mean, Draft did great. Xavier Grigsby looks good again in this game. Aaron Nice scoring a lot of the touchdowns. Graber had some touchdowns. I will say, in a 42 nothing win, if you're looking for something to improve on, Graber did get away with I want there was a stretch where like four consecutive passes all could have been intercepted and none of them were um including a touchdown like the touchdown pass was hit the Wilson defender in the hands went behind him and then fell into Balzer's hands as he's falling into the end zone um so that was one of those plays where you're like whoo that was close um but you know when you win 42 to nothing You'll you'll let that slide. I'm just saying, if <laughs> if they're looking for things to improve on, that's that was the one thing I looked at. Uh, but otherwise, draft is the defense is playing well. The offense looks good, and I, I think you know it's just very apparent to me that each step in like the standings, there is a sizable gap between these teams for the most part. Yeah, it yeah the, each each level of the district you know, seems very much defined, you know, will we see that even more defined this week with Buffalo Gap versus Wilson? Yeah, and, that remains to be seen. You know, I, I think it comes down to the Noah Campbell injury. And I, I know we'll come back to this with Patrick later. This is the one topic I want to talk to him about is, is Wilson. So I know we'll come back to that. But I also know Wilson struggling. You know, they, they started out, what, 4-0 and in these are 3-0. And in these last five games, they have four losses in there, um, and they have a combined 34 points in those four losses. That's under 10 points a game in those those losses. So when they when they lose, they are absolutely getting crushed. Like Rockbridge took care of them. Obviously, here Riverheads and Draft these last two weeks have really taken care of them. So I I'm looking for them to give me a sign that they deserve to be a playoff team. And and if you're playing like this, if you're going to get swatted away this this badly against Stewart's draft, a team that Buffalo Gap a week before really fought against. I, you know, I, 
it's going to be hard for me to feel sorry for them if they get left out of the playoffs. And so they got to do it this week, and, and there's not going to be any moral victories left. They got to win this week. They got to beat Buffalo Gap this week if, if they really want to give themselves a chance to be in these playoffs where they're not absolutely needing all the help in the world to assist them in there. They, they can, the only way to take care of their business is to win this week against Buffalo Gap, a team that, frankly, plays tough. And if Wilson's not going to come out and play tough right with them, then they're going to get beaten pretty bad this week, too. Well, and you and I kind of, you know, we beat our chests on the Shenandoah District a little bit early on in the season. And I kind of brought up to you, I was like, maybe we overrated the district a little bit. Because um, a couple teams in particular that you and I talked about off the record, um, and, you know, we might as well put it on the record, but Waynesboro and Wilson were two teams that started off really hot that we thought, okay, this is them turning the corner. And then as the seasons progressed, we've been like, um, okay. Not great. And for for Wilson, if they don't beat Gap, they don't make the playoffs, and they don't beat a team that goes to the playoffs. All their losses are against teams that will be in the playoffs. And so, like you said, if, if Wilson wants to be a playoff team, you got to beat playoff teams to get in the playoffs. I, I agree. And for a team last spring that the only thing they kept them out of the playoffs last spring when they were the third-best team in the district when they beat Buffalo Gap was that the fact they only took four teams mm-hmm. in, into the playoffs. So, you know, here was, I thought, just be as good as you were last spring and you're in the playoffs. And I thought they were supposed to be better. And early, I, they looked better. So, yeah, it's it's time to wake up. And uh, it's, you know, cold, hard truth this week. I mean, Friday Friday's your decider. Which way are you going? Yep. All right. So, I was at Riverheads. I watched Fort Defiance come in there. Uh, the, the, the reason to talk about it is that Riverheads really worked on their passing game against live competition in this game. Uh, Bennett Dunlap was nine for 10. He stepped up to the challenge. He was nine for 10, 214 yards and a touchdown. Um, and the one pass that he wasn't complete hit his receiver in the hands, touched behind him, but still not majorly off, not picked off. Uh, he took care of the football and that's, that's what coach Castro does in his passing game. He's not looking for that quarterback to go win him a lot of football games. He, there might be a big play here or there, and you might only throw three times in a playoff game or something. But he wants you to take care of the football. When you're asked to throw it, it needs to be our ball when the play is over, no matter what, uh, whether we're 40 yards down the field or whether it's you know second and 10. So he did exactly that. He improves his season average to 64% completing passes, which absolutely what Coach Casto wants, what any, any coach wants out of their quarterback. Um, and he only has the one interception. So he's done a really good job this season but this game really highlighted how good a quarterback he is and where we've talked about Blake Jones at Waynesboro where we've talked about Pogorski at Wilson and and him having a really good in the early season and and Darby at Stanton here's Bennett Dunlap just quietly having a nine for ten first half and and just really looking good for the gladiators yeah and that's good to see for Riverheads if they you know I don't know the team that will give it to them but if they end up in a tough game it's nice to know that Bennett Dunlap has that ability to throw when called yeah. upon. And this is a 14. I mean, and, and I know you're probably sitting there quiet right now. Well, they did it against Fort. Fort shut down Miller J in the Rockbridge passing offense to win that football game. So I do take some credit in that defense getting sliced up by the Riverheads passing offense. That isn't a well-oiled machine like their running game is. Isn't, you know, tested like Rocky uh, Rockbridge's passing game is. So I, I do take some value out of that, and that's some confidence building for this this quarterback that's still a junior. I mean, he's it seems like he's been there forever. Half of that is, you know, the quarterback before him was named Dunlap, too. 
Uh, but, uh, you know, he, he has been there. while well, it's his third year that he started the opener. Uh, so he's, he's getting better and better, and he's still got another year in front of him. Um, so that, that's good. The defense was, was what controlled that game for Riverheads, but that's like most weeks. So the other game we had was Buffalo Gap Stanton, which was a pretty good game in the first half, first quarter. Uh, and then, and then Stanton scores late in the second quarter to make it 14, seven. And you're thinking, okay, they can go into halftime one score down, but before the end of the half, they got to still kick off. Well, they do. And Buffalo Gap returns that for a touchdown gets momentum kind of back in their favor. And then coming out of the locker room, first play from scrimmage, Bryce Hildebrand runs an 80-yard touchdown down the field and just extends that lead to a three-score game all of a sudden. And, and Stanton never recovered, never really fought past that. And, and it was Buffalo Gap 42-14. to 14. Yeah, and this is uh, kind of what I was saying about, you know, the different just whenever you're looking at the standings in the Shenandoah District, that next team down – they're about two, three scores down, like two, three scores down multiple. We're talking multiple scores between these teams. Um, the only game that's been close so far, that's been a district game has been gap and uh, Stewart's draft. That was a 14 point game. That was a good game. Other than that, these games have been blowouts. I know, I know the draft Riverheads game. You, uh, you know, you and Patrick and I were talking about that after the interview and, that was a closer game. It was still a three-score game, and it was a non-district game. Yeah, and, and, and maybe Draft is able to keep Riverheads close again. The Draft's defense is what keeps that game close these last couple of years. I mean, it was an overtime game last spring. It was Yeah, but Riverheads that's last spring. It's half. not this year. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of the same pieces, A lot, obviously all the same coaching staff. George Draft knows how to attack Riverheads. Uh, offense they know how to have an impact on them it's execution by the players on the field is what it takes but when they execute they're in the right places at the right times and so and Riverheads still has won these games of recent time here it's been four or five years five six years maybe since uh draft beat them but you know that coaching staff does have a way to attack that offense um but yeah I think I, I agree with you I think the closest game we have seen and probably will see, in all honesty, from, from where I'm sitting, it has already happened, and it was last week, draft and gap. So Stanton, we were saying, well, we'll come back to that. Waynesboro, Spotswood, I was so happy Waynesboro won that football game. I was really nervous that they got their heads down, that they were going to take some of these losses in a row, maybe some games they thought they could have won, certainly games I thought they could have won, and they wouldn't do what they needed to against Spotswood, but they got up stayed up and even a 21 point fourth quarter by Spotswood still wasn't enough to beat Waynesboro. I'm happy for the little giants. I think that's something to build off of as they move forward. Yeah. It's a narrow victory. Uh, they, they had a big lead and had to hold on, which is it was little... 38, 38, 27. I got the wrong note there. Okay. Gotcha. Yep. Okay. I was going to say that score is yep. accurate. I had, I nope, saw it when not. they were up multiple scores <laughs> and then I saw one score. Okay. Well that makes it, that changes it, but yeah, it's yeah, a good win a for Waynesboro and um, it, it, like you said, they needed it. You know, we said for Wilson, um, you got to win two out of three for Waynesboro. It's a scenario where their playoffs started that week. Do I love their odds of getting in? No. Uh, but losing to St- Spotswood ends that right there. So they beat Spotswood. That means the TA game this week, if they win it, they're still alive. That's a lot of power points. They get TA coming off a loss. 
maybe Waynesboro can catch T.A. again. Maybe it's one of those weeks where T.A. loses loses two games instead of just one game. Um, that's kind of what Waynesboro needs to be hoping for. Waynesboro also needs to be playing their A game. They've got to be moving that offense, needs to be moving down the field. Defense needs to play a little bit better than they did against Spotswood. Giving up 27 points against Spotswood, something. you got to do better against TA. I think if you give up 27 points to TA, I don't think you score 38 points on TA. So you have got to find a way for that defense to start improving their play so the offense doesn't have to do too much. All right, let's look at these PowerPoint rankings that came out today. It's on the next sheet there while you're looking. So let's look at Class 1, and I think the big discussion in Region Class 1 is, A, is Riverheads have the one seed locked up, and where is Buffalo Gap going to finish? I think Riverheads has the one seed locked up as is. I think they can lose the next two games and still have the one seed in Class 1. And that was quick math and doing some worst-case versus best-case scenarios for other teams, and, and I still have them as one seed. And obviously, they're not going to lose these last two games. Maybe, maybe they lose one of them. They're not going to lose both of them. So, um, so I think Riverheads has that one seed locked up, and that are sitting in great position in the states. I believe they're going back to pre-COVID, where the highest between Region A and Region B, the highest power points, will host that state semifinal game if Riverheads is able to make it there. And Riverheads is in great position to have that higher power points ranking as well. The other side of it is if they don't, if they stick with what they did last year and just did the alternating or, and chosen, it should be the B hosting A anyway. So I think either way, Riverheads is in line, if they keep winning, to host a state semifinal team. So that's the Riverheads talk. But Buffalo Gap is the interesting talk. They have Central Lunenburg between them and the two spot. Buffalo Gap sitting in three. And Central Lunenburg has two competitive games left this week and next week with Buckingham County, who's four and two, a team they've split the last four with, and Amelia County, who's six and two, and uh, but they've actually had good success against Amelia County in the last couple of years. So Buffalo Gap is rooting for Central Ludenburg to at least lose one of those games. They root for them to lose two of them, but uh, at least lose one of those games. And then Buffalo Gap just needs to take care of business. They need to play tough, beat Wilson this week, and then take care of business against Fort something that I think is possible. But so Fort Gap's biggest take care of it themselves test is this week against Wilson. Uh, but then there'll be scoreboard watching both these weeks in games that I believe Central Lindbergh can lose, but can also win. Right. Uh, I think that's the big story about 1B. That's They're taking 16. So that two spot is the most important thing for Buffalo Gap. They can get a week off there. I know, excuse me, Coach Weigand, Knows about that. He was quoted in the paper last week referencing that two seed there. So that's the big story in class one for our local teams. In class two, Stewart Straff currently sitting in the one spot. They have games against Fort Defiance this week and then the Riverheads game in the last week. Stewart Straff last year went into that Riverheads game in the spring where both Riverheads and Stewart Straff were locked in as one seeds. I don't think Stewart Straff has that cushion this year at this moment from where I'm seeing things two weeks ahead of the final PowerPoints where I think if central or Strasburg and they play each other in their final game, if one of those teams wins all their games and they play each other, so only one of them can, one of those teams could overtake Stewart Straff if Stewart Straff loses to Riverheads. Yes. And <laughs> the problem for Stewart Straff there is, and I'm sure Stewart Straff fans are saying is they feel like they should have another win. They feel like the LeRae game should be another win for them. 
which would give him that cushion. Um, Until I see it on the PowerPoints, I can't. Yeah, I mean, no, I'm, I'm, and I'm not yeah. saying you're doing it wrong. I, you're doing it right. These are the official PowerPoints. That's what Stuart, I'm just saying. Stuart Straff fans will say we should have that cushion. We should be the one seed because they should be giving us a win against Larray. But the fact at is, at the same time though, Stuart Straff fans are probably gritting their teeth because now Larray's lost two other games. So they they have two losses in their in their loss column. Yeah, there. but you will uh, take the four PowerPoints and you'll the, take the four and the win. That was still six, and then you're you were adding to that because you you want those multiplier riders. But yeah, yeah, you'll take those. And and the problem is, um. When you look at Central and Strasburg right there behind them, those two teams will play each other. So it's not like a situation where, oh, okay, well, if they both, I mean, I guess technically Strasburg could lose to East Rock or Page, but possible, unlikely. And so it's probably going to be which of those teams would you rather go play on the road because one of them is going to pass you. Assuming they lose to Riverheads, and I, and I know that's your assumption too. Yeah, but I'll go ahead and go out on that list. They can take care of that business. I mean, hey, if you don't want to worry about it, then beat Riverheads. That's that's their option. Um, Larray's sitting down at that sixth spot now. They were the first week in the rankings. Larray was up top, so they they have some work to do to make sure they actually do make the playoffs. The good thing is East Rock is about three average points behind them, but the good thing for East Rock is they do play. Strasburg in that final game where they could really jump up their final game if they were able to knock off Strasburg right there. So that's the 2B story there. Um, Region 3C, and this is where we talked about Wilson. We want them to make the playoffs. They stay at the seven spot, even though they lost to Stewart Straff. It shows the value in playing teams with good records because they lose to Stewart Straff, still stick at seven. But they got Turner Ashby right ahead of them, Rustburg right behind them. Um, it just comes down to Wilson's going to have to beat Gap this week. They just they just going to have to beat Gap this week. You, you got to do it. The win against Stanton, I don't think there'll be enough PowerPoint jumps to keep everybody off their tail um, or or jump people if they need to if they lose to Gap. So they just got to beat Gap this week. I, I'm not going to say they lose to Gap this week, and no matter what, they're not going to make it. I'm not. I, you got to see what other games happen this week, but they're going to need help if they don't. This is the only way for them to take care of themselves is to beat Buffalo Gap this week. Yes, uh, I agree. I think they got to beat Buffalo Gap. And then uh, I'll just ask you, because you you have gone through this and you are more into this math and complicated system <laughs> than I am. If Assuming Rustburg doesn't choke to Jefferson Forest, there's no riders there but it is a win against a four class four school um, versus a class one school that Wilson's playing in Buffalo gap. If Wilson beats gap and then loses to Stanton, do they drop out? Is Wilson now because they lost to Stewart's draft in a playoff starts now? Kind of like I was saying, maybe the opposite of that is that they lost to Buffalo gap. I wasn't going to rule them out. I, 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 they're on the line. They're very much on the line. But as of today, looking at the PowerPoints, I, the math that I'm throwing at things, and also the memory of how teams jump. I don't have all the math done for this. I will next week. I, it's hard to do it for multiple weeks. Sure. They, they'll be right on the line. I do not think they will be ruled out if they lose this week. And I don't think they will be assured in with a win this week. 
So I still think it's, it, it, there's no definite answer at this time. Rustburg, I mean, here's an example. Look at Stanton, and this is slight, slightly shifting. Stanton's going to get 18 power points. It, they're likely to lose to Riverheads this week. They're going to get 18 power points just with this game because of a district team against a class one team, you get the bumped up uh, sure. win points, and you get nine wins out of Riverheads, or, or, or eight. They're, they're going to get around 18 points by the time this is all said and done for this week. Well, their average is only 17. So by logic there, their average will go up this week, even with a loss to Riverhead. So you, it's, it's all <laughs> crazy how this works and how, how tight it's going to get. You look at what that eight seed is, 18.13 rating, and there's Waynesboro all the way down at 12. You think, oh, Waynesboro's out of it? They're at 17.13. You can make up one, one PowerPoint average point easily, in, even in one week. I, I see it every year in the final week. I see it. So that brings me down to Waynesboro. They, they are, they're still in this, as we know they were, as we said, because they're still playing teams above them in the rankings. They're playing uh, TA this week. They're playing Broadway the next week. They're going to have to win those to make that jump. But they're going to be they're, – they're in the mix. Waynesboro's still in the mix, and they had to do that by beating Spotswood this week. But it's, it's all right in front of them. Stanton's going to be in the mix. Even after the long – if they lose to Riverheads this week, they're still going to be in the ne- mix next week. So it's, it's – I'll have all the math next week <laughs> because it's only one, one week of projection and guessing and, and sure. either ors of math. But I think all three of these teams next week when we talk and we have this conversation, I'm, I'm going to have the scenarios – for each one of those teams being able to make it, it really could come to, hey, Wilson and Stanton, winning you're in, losing you're out. It really could come down to that. Sure. And for, and for Waynesboro, they do. For any prayer of making it, they do definitely have to beat TA and definitely beat Broadway. Yeah. The, the only thing that could help them is, you know, Broadway winning again this week. If they do lose to TA, they could, I mean, that's, it's, they have a good chunk of power points and riders with a Broadway win in that finale. I think it would be uh, the Hail Mary of we got to go beat this top four uh, team. Oh, this and team you better here. pray, Rustberg. Yeah. Yeah. And you're going to need, and you're probably still going to need help. You're going to probably yeah. need help. I don't think either, any of these three teams are eliminated after this week. Waynesboro, if they lose, I, 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 I don't know. No, I think all three teams, there'll be a scenario that they can make it next week. I really do. I right. would just, yeah. I mean, I, looking it's at Liberty, tough, I would, but, but yeah. it's mad. Like, I, I think the numbers will have it open. And every year we go into the final week, there is a team that's three out that there's still math that can get them in there. And we've seen, I think that's what kept TA out last year was one of those lower teams knocked off a top team, and that's what swept them in. And so that was like a Thursday game, and they didn't play until Friday. So they had already known what happened. So when the game happened, they knew it. But uh, somebody, like, knocked off Brookville in, like, the last game last year, and that, that got them in in, yeah. a, in a smaller playoff. All right. So we talked about the games that are coming up this week. Uh, I just wanted to highlight the fact, and I, I missed it there, Strasburg is about to start one of those three games in a week uh, scenarios. And they're a big key to that 2B puzzle. And even so much so that when – we do radio. We're projecting to have radio at that Stewart Straff Riverheads game. When that game ends, we're not going to know if, where uh, Stewart Straff is or isn't because there's still a game the next day. So 
Georgetown fans just get ready to, st- you know, stay up through Saturday <laughs> before you find out where you're going to be seated in these playoffs. It's a good thing you're in. You don't have to be worried about being in or not. That's that's a good thing. All right, high school volleyball. A lot of the same story here. Fort Defiance still dominant. Uh, Riverheads surging at the right time. Uh, Wilson, they're the ones that got knocked off by Riverheads last week, but they still look solid. And then uh, Buffalo Gap, they're the team that's vying for position with Riverheads. In 1B, Riverheads and Buffalo Gap are fighting for a a two-seat there. And it's going to come down to what Buffalo Gap's able to do on Wednesday against Stanton, and take care of business there. And then also knowing that Riverheads needs to take care of business against Stewart's Draft. I, at this moment, because we're recording on Monday night, Buffalo Gap did just lose to Fort. So I believe Riverheads is going to jump Buffalo Gap going into Wednesday. And it's kind of their two seed to lose uh, on Wednesday here as the district season wraps up. Yeah. And that'll be interesting because, again, they're playing a Stewart's Draft team that also. Um, has their work cut out for them a little bit the way the season has unfolded here down the stretch. I, they just lost to Wilson. I saw uh, while we were talking to Patrick. So Wilson getting another win there with coach Grove and they're trying, you know, in terms of the Shenandoah district standings, trying to keep pace with riverheads in the all important yak cup. But um, for, for riverheads (laughs) last week was so big for riverheads. Yeah. The yak cup. Right. And so for, for riverheads though, I mean, this is, this is a great opportunity to be that two seed and then have that home, you know, court advantage against home and home, yeah. Buffalo Gap uh, in that the uh, the tournament because I believe you said they're only taking six in that as well. Or yeah, and yeah. I I I heard that, but I I still have to wait for that bracket to make sure I'm right on that one. Okay, you, that one was a tweet. By not uh, Patrick Hype. So, you know, that, that's, ah. I, I gotta check my sources there. We'll see <laughs> okay. when we get there. Got but it. Riverheads, at least, um, the reason I don't think that is because I saw quarters listed, and usually you don't call that first round. Yeah, usually you would call it the first teams. round. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, what's weird though in that 1B schedule is they have a Monday, Wednesday, Friday schedule for that tournament next week, which that doesn't sound strange. Okay, a day off in between each game. I, I'm not used to seeing Friday finals for these volleyball tournaments uh, going up against football. So that'll be interesting if uh, what, what goes on there. Um, but mm. we are likely to see, I really think with standings, we're likely to see a Riverheads Buffalo Gap semifinal on Wednesday, which would be very, very cool. Um, might, might have to attend that one. Yeah, that would be exciting. I know that's big for those two schools, big rivalry there. So that would be huge for them. All right. So cross country and cheerleading, they have, a uh, big week this week, both on Wednesday for the 2B cheer competition and then the Shenandoah District Cross Country. Both of those happening Wednesday night. Make sure you're following Patrick Height in particular for coverage on those events. But uh, I know also uh, Cody Elliott, other friend of the podcast, he'll have, I'm sure, coverage up there at East Rock of the cheer competition as well. So uh, make sure you're listening to your our Yak Sports friends uh, that evening on Twitter and make sure you know what's going on with those final things happening for the season, uh, the regions for the cheerleading, the district for the cross country, and we'll wrap those up next week. We're going to talk about Patrick about that in the next segment there, so stick around for that. All right, college football. We ranted and ranted and ranted last week about how bad Virginia Tech was, 
And sitting in my living room on Saturday, my daughter comes in and she says, Virginia Tech's going to play today. I said, yes. It was like between noon and noon 30 when that game started. And uh, she said, are they going to win? And I said, you know what? I, I'm no, I have no faith in anything anymore with Virginia Tech winning, but it's Syracuse. They're terrible. I know I made statements last week that we probably lose to Syracuse. Did I really think we would? No. I, I said point blank to my child, I am not prepared for a loss today. I, <laughs> I was last week against Pitt. I'm not prepared for that today. And as the fourth quarter wound down, I said, see, we're going to win this game, but it's still a black eye on Justin Fuente, and he just can't beat these bad teams either. And, well, yeah, he actually cannot beat these bad teams. We lose the football game. We had, for the third time in, a, in four weeks, five weeks, whatever it is, we have a 95-plus percent chance to win this football game in the closing minutes of it, and we find a way to lose. And, and this week, it was less offense being terrible and more defense really not getting it done. But still, combination, the team didn't get it done. We lose to Syracuse, and I, I just have to think he's predating the pink slip. Like, I, I just accepted that this is done. This is over. And it honestly helped my mood about it. I, I've accepted, I'm, I'm in that seventh stage of grief. I've, I'm at acceptance that I don't need to be mad. I don't need to be storming around the house. I don't need to be on this podcast ranting. It's going to happen. They're going to fire him. We're going to move on. And now I'm looking at, okay, what kind of coach do we want? That's where I'm at. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think you're exactly right. Um, I was disappointed. I thought we were going to win that yes. game. And then when oh I saw goodness. that guy just reach over our defender and, catch the ball and then run into the end zone and there were 19 seconds left zero part of me was like oh well we have 19 oh. seconds left i was I thinking well that seconds. sucks that's the game and <laughs> i didn't um, see those 19 seconds at all <laughs> yeah i was like uh oh, that sucks and i was outside <laughs> i'll be honest even when we were winning the game um it didn't feel like you said it didn't feel good i was watching their quarterback run all over us and i'm like what is going on why can we not Slow stop this quarterback why why have we not figured out that you can use there's this thing called a spy you can put on the quarterback to kind of stop him from running around and killing you with his legs um but we did we decided not to do that um but then the other problem was like because of the way i have to watch that game like, my laptop is buffering continuously during that game. Like, I'll just have breaks where it'll freeze for a second and then catch back up and then freeze and then catch back up. But I dealt with it because I'm a Virginia Tech fan. I'm going to, you know, this is my sacrifice as a fan is to go through this <laughs> buffering. And also because of the uniforms, I don't know when I'll get to see those again. And I love those throwback uniforms. I've been clamoring for those for a while. I'm so glad they went back to those. Uh, I just wish we had a better team. I wish we could have gone back to the throwback players and the throwback coaches, like today's version of them as like 40 plus year old men and Frank Beamer and Bud yeah. Foster. Like I would have gone back to them and just oh. been like, I'll, I'll take them. Oh no, dude. My, my, and it's kind of amazing. You're saying this. Yeah. We, we had a whole text conversation with my tech group of like, I'll take 40 year old Michael Vick out there right now. Andre, Dave, all of let's go. Let's go. Like I will take 40 year old linemen that I can't pull out of my head right now on the field and let's go because those guys play with grit, you know? Well, they had grit on the front <laughs> of the helmet. Yeah. Oh, that was, know, guys, it says grit. That was the one thing I didn't like, if I'm being honest, because as soon as I saw it, it it almost made me throw up a little bit because I was like, oh, gosh, I just 
that wasn't old school. We didn't have to. We, you know what? Yeah, we, we didn't have to, to tell people we had grit because they saw it. Was it a yeah. fullback? It was Doug East like running down your throat. <laughs> yeah, that was a grit back then. We yeah, it Lee Suggs, Lee Suggs running you over. Three back there coming for you. Yeah, Lee Suggs and Ken Oxendine running over oh fools. Like that was the grit. We didn't have to put it on the jersey. They just no. saw it. It, it was shown yeah. on. Sh- it, yeah, we put it on showcase, but. Yeah, I have a feeling we're not going to wear those uniforms against Georgia Tech. So I, I'm i going to have to do, watch the game the same way. And I don't know how invested I'm going to be in this game because this game's going to be ugly. Georgia Tech's going to mollywop us. Georgia Tech's a lot better than Syracuse. Yeah, you would think. My thing these next couple weeks, just to keep me positive, is because uh, I'm going to be positive, is naming some coaches that I, you know, I'm interested in learning more about. And uh, my two coaches this week that I'm going to look into okay. more, and it's the first two I've come to based on things I've seen mm-hmm. and uh, thought about. And Fickle isn't one this week, probably down the line. But Bill Napier, the coach at Louisiana, wow. uh, he's done a good job there. Went uh, seven and seven his first year with a program that was losing record before he came in. Seven and seven his first year, eleven and three, ten and one, and now six and one this season. I think that's a reasonable name to have as a candidate. And then Tony Elliott. I know Clemson's offense is a bit down this year. I'm not going to ignore six uh, college football playoff appearances, two national championships, uh, you know, being able to want have Trevor Lawrence want to come play for you. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm not going to ignore that stuff just because they're having a bad year um, at the quarterback position, but I, I'm just not going to, there's too much good to erase it all there. So that's two coaches I'm thinking about this week. I'm not saying that's who I want to hire. I'm just saying those are the two guys I want to learn more about. Yeah. Um, I agree. I think both of those are better options than what we have now. So I'm down. Both give me hope. Yeah. All right. UVA, uh, talk about hope. They're playing offense. Bronco Bendehawk is a defensive coach, but he's brought some good offensive uh, people in and they have a quarterback and sling the ball. I, I don't think he's Steve Young, but threw for 396 yards and four touchdowns this week. And, I mean, he's given himself, a ch- his team, a chance to win because he's putting up points. And you talk about these other games that they've had to win by the other team missing field goals so they can win. Well, that's because they have the lead. <laughs> they have a quarterback that gets them in a position to have the lead late in games, and that's the reason they've won them. And this game, they didn't need a last-minute field goal miss by Georgia Tech. You know, they took it to them in a, um, in a nice win there. So they put up 48 points on them. I think it was 48-20, wasn't it? Not 48-40, right? I don't know what the score was, but they won. They put a lot of points up on Georgia Tech, and they win. And so you got to feel good for that if you're a UVA fan. I hate it, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's what it is. that We, we hire these two coaches. UVA hires Bronco, and we hire Fuente at the same time. And, uh, yeah, one's different than the other. Well, and, and the other thing is, right, like, for whatever reason, both coaches apparently were on the hot seat. I thought the Bronco Mendenhall stuff being on the hot seat was – the stuff for clowns to talk about. I, I did not understand that. To me, I was like, he's doing really good. Maybe yeah, he's starting from a lower spot. Uh, you'd have to. Yeah. Maybe yeah. we don't freak out because he had what some might classify as a disappointing year last year. And everything he says about stuff, not necessarily about football, is very sane, accurate information, a good way to approach yes. life. And yes. so maybe you keep that kind of thoughts around your team. Right, and your best players don't transfer out to other programs to get really good. Um, yeah, I've yet to see a UVA quarterback go to an SEC school and you know and then up, become so. a, a good quarterback yeah. when Bronco Mendenhall 
you know, who's allegedly not a quarterback whisperer like, I don't know, Justin Fuente. Um, as I was joking with a friend, maybe that's the problem. He's whispering and he needs to speak up. Um, but it was 48 it. to 40, by the I way. I doubt we Georgia want Tech. him to hear what he has to say. To no, him. I don't. Yeah, that's the thing. And that was, that was my response. I'd be like, I can't say that because my problem is when he rallies the team behind in front of him right before they go in the locker room, I'm like, nothing smart is being said here. But, um, yeah, I think for UVA, you're bolt eligible. You're still technically in this coastal race, which is great uh, for them. And I think, you know, that's something I don't think Virginia Tech is going to say this year. I don't think they're going to be bowl eligible. So they, they still got to play pit and I, and I'm not going to give them a lot of chance in, in the game. Okay. Like but, but I'm yeah, saying yeah. they control their yeah, own yeah, destiny. Yeah. Whereas they Virginia do. Tech very much does not. In it. Yeah. 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 At least we can stop hearing about how we're undefeated in the ACC. Right. A loss to Syracuse will do that. Yeah. Well, yeah. Pit and then Syracuse. Yeah. Um, it's going yeah, to come to that I, I UVA. You realize UVA is going to knock us out of a bowl game. Yeah, I. We don't deserve. Oh, we to might not. Yeah, never terrible. mind. We might be eliminated by yeah. them. Might yeah, and they we only have three wins. Qualified. I forgot. Oh my gosh, yeah. we're bad, I, and you know that. Um. All right, JMU. They won a football game. That's, That's not, not what anybody's talking about. JMU. Yeah, <laughs> not interested in that. Um, they're up to what three or fifth in the in the rankings there, but. All the talk for the last week and will be for the next week and probably into the next week before it's all really quiets back down is the fact that they're about to go to the Sun Belt. Whether you want to just take what's real before you accept it or not, but they're going to the Sun Belt. There's, in these conference things, there's never this much smoke unless they're actually going. Um, so if the Sun Belt wasn't going to expand, well, they wouldn't add Southern Miss with the press conferences on Tuesday. So mm-hmm. they're expanding. They want JMU. They want um, Marshall from the U Conference USA. They want Old Dominion from Conference USA, and they already got Southern Miss. So it's happening. JMU is gonna go. It's just it's just not official yet. So all these JMU fans and, and me and me to count as one. I'm a generally a fan of JMU, not as big as Tech, but I am. We have to wait uh, probably another week before this becomes official. But all signs are pointing to go, and I'm excited. I'm really excited. Yes, I am too. And my brother and I actually talked about this tonight. And I was like, I might actually go back to a JMU football game because these will be exciting games. Like Appalachian State, Marshall, Coastal Carolina. That's going to be a revenge game. Oh, do you? Yeah, well, I mean, sure. I like it. I like it in terms of a rivalry. I don't like ODU's football team having a chance when we play them. Um, We're going to kill them. Um, They're bad. Let me... I'll say it to you. I said it to you on the phone. If ODU, well, yeah, but unlike (laughs) Virginia Tech, JMU hasn't lost to ODU uh, because their football coach isn't an idiot. So I don't Mm. like him. I don't like him, but he's not an idiot. Um, You interrupted. Oh, two things. ODU, if they did not get into the Sun Belt, I think they would have had to go down to FCS. Conference USA. is they bad. expansion down there too. That would have been bad. Yes, Ooh. that conference USA is going to be bad. I don't even know if it survives, but if it does, uh, it's gonna. It would ODU would have been in a situation where they have JMU, UVA, and Virginia Tech, Liberty, all out recruiting them. I don't think you survive that. I think ODU might be losing recruits to JMU as is. JMU going up to the Sun Belt eliminates any hope of ODU. I don't think ODU would have a recruiting chip over JMU if that happened. So 
Um, them being in the Sun Belt at least helps them say, we're in the same conference, we're at the same level, blah, blah, blah. Now, when they step on the field, we'll see about that. But that's what that is. The other thing is that's not being talked about. This is going to be – you have on here quickly become rivals. We are already rivals with Coastal Carolina. Brad and I were there. We saw it. The Chanticleer is going to come back to Bridgeforth Stadium where the last time he was there, Duke Dog punched him out. Duke oh, Dog yeah, punched out yeah. the mascot. Um, then he flipped him off. Duke Dog was escorted out by police. Uh, it was a big deal. And that was a game where we housed Coastal Carolina. So that was by far the most exciting part of that game. Um, but, yeah, so that's, that's a rivalry no one is talking about. No one's talking about the Chanticleer having to come back in and face Duke Dog. In fact, if JMU and Coastal Carolina were smart, what a great way to sell that. Just the old footage. I'm sure JMU doesn't want that to be a part of the narrative. But <laughs> just put that out there and then just, you know, have fun with it. The Duke Dog and the Chanticleer, you know, put like oversized Rock'em Sock'em things on their hands and just have them, you know, like a fake boxing match before the game or something. My, my only hesitation was saying that they're already rivals. I appreciate that incident. They're one and one versus each other all time. They've only played each other twice. So I just, I, I wasn't there on well, their established they lost the in Harrisonburg. clearly, clearly are rivals, the mascot themselves. But I'm, I'm anxious for more matchups that really dig that rivalry in. And, and since there's already a fire between the mascots, it'll, it'll just spark. It's spark like Ohio and Ohio State. <laughs> you might not think they're rivals, but someone literally trained to be the Ohio Bobcat just for four years knowing Ohio State was on the schedule just so they could fight Brutus Buckeye. <laughs> so, I, like I mean, that's a like rival. <laughs> but the East Division, like you have on here, is great for JMU. You have Appalachian yes. State. Old Dominion, Marshall, Coastal Carolina, Georgia Southern is a team that has recently made the move up. Georgia State is a team that has recently made the move up. They play in Turner Field. Yeah. Yeah, I love I love that region. Appalachian State and Coastal Carolina might kick the poo out of you for the first few years, but if JMU gets the right person in there to do the job and keeps recruiting well, that there is no reason JMU can't be in the conversation for the Sun Belt within, I'd say, a class of moving up. Yeah, and Appy State had to adjust when they went up. So I don't think that's disrespectful what JMU is or is going to be. Um, I mean, you also never know about the recruiting class going into that conference and, and what that could be. Like, it could really spark good recruiting because it's, it's going to be a year. I mean, they'll play oh, another sure. year in the CAA before they go up. So, like, you're going to be out there recruiting, hey, we're going up, we're going up, we're going up. And you never know. Like, you, you could make a little bit of a splash, um, but then things might have to settle back down. But, yeah, I, I see them – competitive in football in general moving forward and maybe there's a little upswing and downswing at the beginning or they have to build up but then you know five years in they're going to feel at home and it's going to be they're going to be a top four team and it's going to be awesome and 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 to be honest I think this is where you want to be when when the college football playoff expands this is the conference you want to be in yeah because I don't think the American is automatically that much better anymore uh when you look at the teams that are there but they're not going to the American. I mean, they, and, that, and that's something that got finalized a week ago. Sure. The American said, this is what we're taking. We're done. And that makes sense. And it Yeah, but the teams they new. took, even I was, like, sitting there. I was kind of yeah. scratching my head. I was like, okay. Um, I think especially these teams in yeah. the South, in the Sun Belt Conference, including Louisiana and the, guy, and the teams on the other side. Uh, um, yeah. A lot of good teams over there. Um, Louisiana Monroe is another one over there. I, yeah, I think they could – 
keep moving up. I think these I think the addition of these teams helps greatly. So And and you and keep rooting for Appalachian win. State and Coastal Carolina to do well there because you want the conference rep to be good because also the other thing that's going to help is I think the Sun Belt's going to get more bowl teams. I think when the bowl agreements come up, they're going to get more bowl teams in than they have right six now. And, six, and then yeah, then you then you start looking, okay, where do we have to finish in the conference to make it to a bowl game? Six wins. And well, think, you say that, but sometimes with the other conferences, it's not like the ACC where you get six wins. Yeah, I, I think if I think Sunbelt's going to be established. I mean, there's, yeah. there's enough. I would hope so, but yeah, it's not think, necessarily a given until you see the bowl agreement. Other than there. last spring, I just wonder how many times those couple years before that any six and six team didn't make it from the Sunbelt. I, I don't think it's many because ESPN already has the ties with the sure. conference. They're going to get them in there. Those, those bowl games ESPN owns, and they, they're going to want their properties in there. That's the other thing about this is that we will able to see JMU's football games every single week on platforms that we already need to watch the ACC and the Power Five conferences that we already watch because ESPN networks of some sort, ESPN Plus and higher, is carrying their games. And you get one uh, game a week during the week, during the beat of the season, where it's a primetime game, just like we saw last week against Appy State and Coastal Carolina. JMU is going to be in one of those every year, a primetime game, sometimes on Thursday nights. Could be Wednesday, but a lot of times on Thursday nights. If you look at their schedule this year, there's a lot of Thursday night, primetime games, Sunbelt Conference. And then on Saturday, you're going to be mixed in on ESPN Networks or worst-case scenario, you're on ESPN Plus, which, I, you know, I, I, I'm not a huge proponent of these additional services, but ESPN's the number one sports one I'm getting. I'm not getting flow sports, but ESPN Plus, I already get it because – there's, there's too much on there that I want to watch. So, And that uh, agreement with ESPN goes through 2030. So it's, you know, it doesn't end in two years and they have to renegotiate. And maybe they, no. ESPN's invested in the Sunbelt Conference, and that's a good thing. And so I, I don't think, there's no negative. I haven't come up with a negative. I think the region's great. I think ESPN's great. I, I just, I like it all. I, I will be excited to go to multiple games a year. And right now I struggle at like, do I really want to see that game? Like I, the Richmond rivalry, I usually we like between me and my wife. We like we've bought into going to the Richmond game most years when they come to to Harrisonburg, and then it's you know whoever's the best team in the CAA other than JMU is. That's the only other game I even remotely care about. This year we're going to the Campbell game, so obviously that's not a requirement, but that's what's up. And uh, with this, I'll be wanting to go watch when they play Appy State. I'll be wanting to go when they play Coastal. Uh, and and Marshall and OD like I don't care about seeing those games. So, all right. Uh, I said it was a quiet week going into this week of football. Uh, that was before that we saw the surprising games of Penn State losing. We saw Cincinnati have to play tough. Oklahoma play tough. Both of them still won, but they were tight games. Wake Forest, Wake Forest put up seventy. Pitt beat Clemson as they were favored to do. Uh, what stuck out to you on Saturday other than the Hokies? Wake Forest put up 70, uh, and they did it in like 17 minutes and change of time of possession. Yeah, they didn't have the ball at all. Yeah. I mean, that was just like, one, they gave up 56. But when I saw the time of possession stat and then I saw Wake Forest put up 70, I was like, I didn't even know that was possible. Like, I didn't even think that was a thing that could happen. So I was surprised by that. But the 9 OT loss for Penn State is brutal. 
I mean, that I gets... I like these new overtime, though. I don't like it either. I, I don't yeah, think I that was a problem that needed to be changed. If I'm being honest, yeah. that was not something that needed to be changed. Um, but whatever. Yeah, well, we don't want the game going on. Um, that's a TV thing. That's not a fan thing. It's just one play possession. I don't, I don't like it. I don't like it either. Um, one of the games you didn't put on here that was a good game to watch was Oklahoma State and Iowa State. That was a good uh, game. Oh, yeah, that was good. And, and uh, um, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, State lost. State was the underdog. At as an undefeated team, they were an underdog, yeah, and they lost. It was crazy. Yeah, and it was an exciting game. Yeah, I was, was really, yeah, it really hurt my investment, but because um, I was like, <laughs> wow, I'm getting them as a dog here. I love it. And then they let me down. Kansas, the, by the way, you mentioned it as a joke, like missing kicks. They don't believe in themselves. I saw someone put up something like Cincinnati number two over Alabama. I know the rec- what we're doing with the records, but that's offensive. I'm like, okay, Oklahoma versus anyone in the top ten. Like, I will take the top ten against Oklahoma. I like the bowl projections that have like Cincy stay in at two and Oklahoma three and Alabama fourth uh, with Georgia up top. Um, I like. I would like that to. I know that you're gonna. Oh my Alabama gosh! To play each other. But put Oklahoma up against Cincinnati. Oh, would be, I would, would love nice. that. I would love to watch Cincinnati tear into Oklahoma. Because, in all fairness, I I do worry about Cincinnati and, and Alabama or Georgia. Oh, like they would I, get killed by I'm Alabama honest. or Georgia. Yeah. That's fine. I would like like just like we manipulate this every year. Even with Alabama and Georgia likely playing each other in the SEC championship game, and you don't want to see it two times in a row, we need to see. Well, Cincinnati then you know Oklahoma what? Just to prove a point. We just got to prove a point. Yeah, you know what then. You do there. You say, you know what? We're not going to play the SEC championship. Georgia, you're the SEC champion because you're undefeated. Alabama, yeah. sorry, you lost to Texas A&M. We're not going to sell all these tickets to the Georgia Dome. Exactly. We're not going to do CBS that. We're above CBS this. Game. We're the yeah. SEC. It means more. <laughs> We're above this. We're going to play in the semifinal. You guys, Alabama, yeah, uh, Cincinnati, yeah. Oklahoma, you guys get to play in the semifinal because that's yeah. the matchup everyone wants to see. And um, I just want to watch Ohio- Cincinnati care. Kill Oklahoma. I, I want Cincy, Oklahoma. Um, I just don't want Cincy versus an SEC team in the in the semifinal. I just oh no, because they're going to get murdered, and then people Oklahoma will say, "Oh, look, they didn't belong." And I'll be like, "Well, that's not really fair." Because insert team here against Georgia. I think Georgia's that good. I like. I don't think Georgia's going to have very many close games. I think Alabama's that good. It's yeah. It's they the just SEC. They, they lost to lessons. Texas A and M yeah. when Texas A and M played the best game of their life, and Alabama played a pretty not good game. And Texas A was supposed to be good this year. It was them finally living up to expectations. Like, yeah, yeah. Jimbo Fisher can't be expected to coach every game good. The thing that stuck out to me was Clemson. I I know mm. it was predicted. I know. It shouldn't be a surprise. It, it wasn't a surprise to me that they lost because I knew Pittsburgh's offense was for real, and I knew they could play some defense. It's just like it just officially putting Clemson to bed. Officially, like up until this week, going into this week, I think everybody still was like, not everybody, but I, I kind of was like, well, Clemson probably get it together, and they'll still probably win that side somehow. That's not going to happen now, and and they sat the quarterback down, and I, it's just it's surprising. And and uh, for as much as you know, we all not necessarily you, but most of America buy into the blue bloods and the team that's done it for and what, you know, I mean, it's a good reminder that there is cycles to this and this, you know, honestly, Clemson cycle here is probably just going to be a season and they'll be right back at it next year. But it's, I, 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 it's interesting. And to see it finally put to bed, it's, it's just stuck out to me that they're officially seven foot down. So that's good. 
Uh, coming up this week, number six, Michigan at number eight, Michigan State. That's the noon game on Fox. Game day is going to be there. So I, whatever trash you had a couple weeks ago about game day and only pushing ESPN materials, two weeks before that, you made those statements they were at a Fox game. No. Uh, this week, they're at a Fox <laughs> game. Was it last week? They were at a CBS game. So I just I, I don't want to hear that trash anymore. They, they do their best. They go into the best game of the week. Sometimes travel limitations mean they got to go where Kurt's got to go. So it's fine. It's hard for Kurt to like call a do game day at ten to noon and then be at a different game at noon on the other side of the country. It's yeah, tough sometimes. Well, yeah, whatever. If so he's real committed, he'd make Oklahoma. it happen. Yeah, if he was Star actually Trek committed, yeah, he'd have he would have done it. But um, <laughs> number ten Mississippi at number eighteen Auburn. Yeah, okay. that'll be a good uh, game. number twenty Penn State. Number five Ohio State. I'm still excited about the game. I'd like Ohio State to take a loss. I don't think Penn State's for real, but I do think this game's going to be a good one. I, I think we've seen these a couple times. I don't think this is Nebraska, Ohio State. This is Penn State. I think they're going to put up a good fight. They're going to be anxious to to make noise even though they're not going to be the Big Ten representative in a college football playoff. I, I, I still expect Penn State to – James Franklin to coach him up. Sure. He's going to get killed. Ohio State's going to murder them. That's going to be bad. Okay. So what's the, what's the yak bet here? What's, what's the over-under and you're taking over on those spread here? You don't have to go real spread. How much is Ohio State going to win by? I feel like 17. 17, I'll take 16 or less. All right, that's fine. That's, that's what I want. Okay. We're not putting money on it. We're just, I, I just think it's yeah, tight. Yeah, yeah, no, I know. But... Tight Big Ten Saturday night games. That's what I, I just have a feeling about it. I don't. Okay, that's fine. I'm not asking you to put your money where your mouth is. <laughs> I'm just asking. You're gonna I'm just looking to see if it. they're going to give me free money this weekend or not. <laughs> While you look up free money, um, NFL, your Ravens got rocked, forty-one to seventeen. It's all part of the plan, is according to you, right? Yes, that's what we wanted. That that wasn't real. That was the fake blueprint game. If we had beaten Cincinnati, that would have messed up our plan. This was all according to plan. Um, and you got to buy next week to really right. work up your next. So plan. people are like, "Oh my gosh, wow!" Actually, you know what, Leland? I'm giving. Ohio State, or I'm giving Penn State too much credit. In the eyes of Vegas, it's an 18-and-a-half-point game. Um, I'll take 17. That's fine. Uh, I just wanted a number out of Joe. Sure. 17's a push. Yeah, you so now, I don't know. I might yeah. take that 18-and-a-half. I don't know. Hmm. <laughs> that point-and-a-half gets tough. But um, might see what happens to that line. But uh, with the Ravens, honestly, it was a game where I was just like, at a certain point, I was like, whoa. Like, this is really not going well. And uh, I'm trying not to read too much into it. We're five and two. We're yeah, a, we're I, good. And I and the Bengals are a good football team this eight. year. I mean, they've got a good offense, and their defense played really well that week. And yeah. do I think this means we can't beat the Bengals in Cincinnati? No. Um, I just think this was not our week, and we'll be okay. We'll yeah. we'll figure it out. I'm a, I, as much as I hate the Ravens, I, I think it says more about Cincinnati than it does the Ravens. Sure. I think the Ravens had, had been up. It's, it's the NFL, good team. I mean, they're both good teams. I think Bengals are, are for real, you know, in a range of for real. I don't think they're really a Super Bowl contender. But, hey, they're playing good football. I think it says more about them than it does the Ravens. And, yeah, I, I, I would imagine Baltimore goes into Cincinnati next time, probably still as the favorite. So uh, you have the bye this week. Pittsburgh's uh, coming off their bye. 
They are going to have the Browns next week in one of those division games. The football team played the Packers. They just couldn't get in the end zone. <laughs> one way or another, reviews or fumbles or, you know, to the T enforcement of the correct rule that just changed last year, they couldn't get in the end zone, and uh, they lose 24 to 10. Yeah, and I get why people are upset about that, but it's the rule. Yeah, it is the rule. And what I came back to was like, okay, if there was a Packer guy there and he dove at Heineke to get him down, you would be freaking out that there wasn't a flat if they didn't throw a flag. So here's the thing. He didn't need to dive. I don't know why he dove. He was all by himself. I don't know what he was doing. He loves diving at the end zone, and I think he was just, like, not used to having an open road. Usually he expects to take on contact or have to stretch around a pylon. He's a gamer. I like the kid. I like him. It's just he, he didn't give himself his best chance there. He didn't need to dive. <laughs> yeah, and for the Washington football team, it just continues what's been a rough season. I mean, they're 2-5, and five and yeah. it's not going to be any better. Their playing good, and that was what their hat was on. So Yeah. They got the Broncos next week. That's a winnable game. But, it is a winnable uh, game. It's out there. We'll see how it goes for them. All right. Baseball, the World Series set. Mom, you heard me. The World Series is set. You always ask me, like the first week of October, do we know who's going to be in the World Series? You also asked me the first week of January who's going to be in the Super Bowl. World Series set now. We got Astros. We got Braves. I got the Braves. I'm riding the train. Oh, that's who you're picking? Yeah, I think they're going to do it. Oh, I don't think they'll win. I, I'm rooting for them, but I don't think they'll win. I do. I'm, I'm putting them together. I think they do it. I think they're on one of those little magical runs. Um, I'm not going to directly compare them to Kansas City that year, but Kansas City, everything just fell their way. I think there's been years that things have fallen the Red Sox ways when they were not necessarily the best team. Uh, you know, early yeah, I guess the, the difference is Atlanta winning. has talent. That Kansas City team was an island of misfit toys that won a championship. This Atlanta team has actual talent. But you could feel it coming. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. You could feel that Kansas thing, City thing brewing uh, before they had actually won it. And that's what I feel with these Braves. I think, I think they just have it. I think they have that magic on their side. And I, I don't want the cheaters to win. So I know these guys, most of them on that team weren't the cheaters. I know most of them are gone. I like Dusty Baker. My, my pick here isn't against Dusty Baker. I'm just picking for the Braves. Yeah, I like Ozzy Albies. I like... Uh... Acuna, who unfortunately is not playing. I like Freeman. And they had those guys got hurt, that, and they still made it happen. I, and I, I love it. I like it. Yeah. They play Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday. That's the schedule coming up. So we'll have some nice midweek baseball here, hopefully a free taco in there somewhere from Taco Bell, uh, and then um, the weekend game. So a lot of fun World Series ahead of us. The Braves hadn't been to the World Series since 99 when they were swept by the Yankees. Um, they hadn't won one since 95. Uh, obviously, the Astros uh, have been here a lot recently, uh, losing in 19, winning in 17 uh, when they cheated. Um, and they also, I had forgotten they were in it in 2005. I had forgotten that Bagwell and Biggio and all those guys actually made it to a World Series uh, when they got swept by the Wet Sox, White Sox back in 05. So, all right, let's get out of here. Let's get to the B block with Patrick Height of the Stanton News Leader. All right, now on the Yak Sports Podcast, we welcome back Patrick Height for the 18th time. 
that is the leader in the clubhouse here. I guess we're not in the clubhouse quite yet, but uh, Patrick, yeah. thanks for coming on. Thanks for dedicating so much time to the X Sports podcast. Eighteen, so I'm so I'm in front. That's that's exciting. Okay, that's that's like that's like one of the top two lines on my resume. I think it should. Be. <laughs> Um, so <laughs> that would be sad. Um, so, you know, I, I, I listen to Tony Kornheiser podcast and every week he brings on Chuck Todd and every week Tony discusses nothing with Chuck Todd that Chuck does for his job. Uh, the important <laughs> stuff he does for his job. They talk Betty lines, they talk Nats baseball. And so Patrick, you've been covering the school board elections. You've been covering COVID cases in the high school or in all the schools and, and, you know, local current event stuff going on. And we're not going to talk about any of that on this podcast. So <laughs> we're giving the Chuck Todd treatment. That's fine. I'm, I'm <laughs> over. Uh, I've, I've got to prepare for the elections uh, next, next Tuesday. And oh. so it's nice to get a, uh, get a break from that for, uh, for a night. <laughs> well, I want to start where uh, Joe and I have been pumping this yak cup. And I want to make sure you're fully aware of it and how we're tracking all of our local schools uh, and how they perform just in district and who wins the district tournament or final standings of the district if there isn't a specific tournament. And we had the cheer competition just in last week, and now we're carrying on into the postseason here. So uh, Stewart's Draft, not surprisingly, won the cheer uh, for the county. But Fort Defiance got to host the three C this past weekend, and Fort gets to go to states. Yeah, I think that's great for for Fort. Um, they have it, it's been an interesting season for them, and they've had to to, to make some changes just because of it, it's still with COVID issues. You know, you've got athletes who are are out for for whatever reason, and so. And when in cheer, it's like in any sport. Obviously, if you if you miss if you're missing one of your key players, you have to make changes. But in cheer, that that's much more difficult sometimes because everybody has their own uh, specific place to be. And so, if you're missing people, you have to change things. And I know that Ford has dealt with that this year. So for them to to make it to to state, I, I think that's huge. I, I think that really says a lot about that cheer program. They've done. They have been very good the last few years, um, and I, I, I'm I'm really happy for them to to make it there. So, and you know, it, it's once you get to states um, at that level, it's it's very difficult. But I think just for them making it there is a heck of an accomplishment this season. A team that we expect to make it to states just because they've done it so many times these last few years, winning states, uh, not last year, but the you know, multiple years before that Stewart's draft, they'll, they'll have their competition Wednesday night. And I know we all know Tammy Carter is going to have them ready to go They're They're coaching from experience there. And, and a lot of kids that have experience, you know, performing in Richmond and, and performing late in the season. Um, are, are they as strong? Are you hearing that they're as strong this year uh, based on what they've done through the regular season and the Shenandoah district tournament? I think you're getting there. They lost a lot of, a lot of key people from last season. A lot of those seniors that graduated were part of all of those state championships. You know, they had three state championships in a row. That came to an end last year, and they fell into regions. Um, and and the, the problem last year with regions was because of COVID, they only took one team from each region. So, you know, Stewart's draft finishes second in the region, 
they don't get a state berth last year, which was crushing to this team that was going for a four feet. Yeah. Uh, they, they could even get back to state this year. Uh, it's you know a little different. Um, obviously they'll, they'll have that chance. Uh, they'll be at, at East Rock Wednesday night for the regions. Um, East Rock is the team that beat them out last year. Um, I, I think, I think they have a realistic shot at beating East Rock, but even if not, I think they can make it to States. And I, I think they are, getting to that point i think talk to tammy a little bit and and she's happy with where they are at this point um so so yeah i, I think they're peaking at the right time are they as good as, as some of those teams that won states you know i'm not sure it's fair to compare them to that because they had some really juggernaut cheer teams that were winning states and some really great cheerleaders were part of that um i, I think they have a tradition and i think that helps it's, you know, you look at Riverheads football, you know, it's, it's a tradition, right? You want to be part of it. Uh, you, you see that team winning year after year after year, and the, the young kids come up and watch that and want to be part of it. I think that's the same kind of thing with, with Stewart's draft cheer. They, they have been so good for now so long, and those young, uh, young athletes say, say, hey, I want to be part of that, and they work with the varsity athletes, and now it's their turn to shine. So I'll, I'll be curious to see what happens. Wednesday, and of course they had a big rivalry with East Rock, so so that should be that should be really interesting. Uh, oh, it's on their turf tournament. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's the thing. It's at East Rock too, so so that should make it uh, that should make it a lot of fun on Wednesday night. So another thing happened on Wednesday is the cross country uh, final race for the district at Wilson. It'll be all our Shenandoah district teams running. You know, looking at the articles throughout the year and following along that Ramsey Corbin from Fort Defiance, you know, probably has to be the favorite. Uh, but if you were to say, Hey, here's the guy that might surprise us, might get up there and win or, or might, you know, push Ramsey a little bit. Uh, you know, who are, are we looking even off of his own team or, or where are we looking for uh, somebody oh, yeah, else to yeah. challenge him? Yeah, maybe. First of all, nobody's going to push. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, he's, I, he's I was trying to do right the <laughs> acknowledge the top. It's the Alabama of the running. Yeah, <laughs> he is so good. I mean, he he, he looked back about a, just over a month ago at the Augusta County Invitational, which was run yeah. at, at Wilson, which is where the district meet is being run. He beat two Maggie Walker runners, and he he beat them by forty three seconds. <laughs> How impressive is that to win the race? Not only to win the race, but to win it by 43 seconds over over a couple of Maggie Walker runners. And we know Maggie Walker. I mean, that's that's kind of the thing they do. They they have certain sports that they have athletes for. Cross country is one of those. Running is one of those. And and he won that race easily. So barring any kind of injury or anything, Ramsey's gonna win Wednesday. Now, who will, who could be right there with him? You know, Sam Tindall um, is a, a yeah. senior on that same Fort uh, team. He's really, really quite talented. Um, if it wasn't for Ramsey, you know, he, he might be the one that we're talking about uh, uh, dominating all these races. Um, outside of Fort, uh, Ben Cromer at Buffalo Gap um, is a heck of a runner. He's done a nice job. Um, Adam Groves out of Waynesboro is pretty good. You get past there. I mean, you've got a few other runners who will do well and, and – Obviously, we'll be going for their own personal records, and but but boy, it's it's Ramsey's race to, to lose. Um, he's he's that good, and Fort is that good. I mean, Fort they've also got a, a runner, a freshman Parker Blosser, who's really good too. Um, 
not only is Ramsey the favorite, the Fort team is, is favorite to win the boys race and the girls race. Yeah. The Fort cross country is just a dominating, dominating program. Coach Metcalf there, get, got them coached up well out there, huh? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they <laughs> they really, really are good. And I just, you know, barring a major, major surprise, I do not see the Fort boys or the girls losing out on uh, on Wednesday. Coach Metcalf has four boys at home. I'm, I'm friends with him. And uh, I think he's probably a good coach uh, for running that it's just like he practices running away from his own children. He probably brings a team <laughs> over and just has them get away from the kids or something <laughs> for hours. That's, that's, the, that's the key. Okay. That's the, the strategy. See, see, we get the inside knowledge of, of what it takes to be a great cross country coach. Well, Patrick, you and I were both at Wilson on Friday night when they did the dedication for the track in the stadium. I, I thought that was kind of interesting and I uh, wanted to get your perspective on that. Um, yeah, it was obviously well, well-deserved. Gary Kessler is so well respected. And um, one, you know, if I look at the list of coaches I've covered um, over my career, he is easily on the short list of, of favorite coaches that, that I have covered. He's such, he was such a great person. Um, you know, wonderful teacher out at, out at Wilson teaching physics, which is something I have no clue about. Um, so well-versed in so many things. You could talk to him about any type of subject. Um, uh, emotional. That was the great thing about, uh, about Cass. He, you know, you, you talk to him, his team would win a regular season meet and you go talk to him and he would tear up. He'd be so happy for, for those athletes. Um, and, and they used to, they, the athletes loved that too. And, and they used to have a lot of fun with him about that. But um, so, yeah, I, I think it was well-deserved, obviously with, with COVID and, and, and everything, you know, he passed away in the spring of 2020. They weren't able to do something right away, but I think they, I think Wilson did it right by waiting until they could have a crowd there. They could have people sure. to, to watch it. Um, and even if that meant, you know, having to, to postpone sure. dedicating something for, you know, a, a year and a half, I, I think that was probably the, the way to go. And, I think they did it right. I, I think it was a good ceremony. Um, and, and I talked to, to Gary's wife afterwards, um, Angie, and she was just so happy with the way everything went and, and so moved. So it, it was, it was a great ceremony. And, um, and, you know, I think, you know, I wasn't even thinking about this, but, but I talked to Steve Guyman, the, the, the boys um, cross country and track coach at Wilson who coached a long time with Gary Kessler. And he said, you know, how special it was to have now it's the Steve, it's the Gary Kessler track at Steve Guyman stadium. And he said, how many football stadiums do you see named for two track guys? Right. I mean, yeah. <laughs> that's just something a little, a little different when you're talking about a football stadium, having, uh, having the name of two track guys um, on there. Um, so I, I just, I think everybody was happy with the ceremony and I, I know that, uh, that it was moving for, for all of those, all of those who knew, who knew uh, Kess. Oh, it's amazing that, you know, like you said, Wilson handled it the right way and did it in a very touching way when there's an example of the Washington football team doing it in a not great way, honoring somebody the week <laughs> yeah. before. Yes. Um, but yeah. <laughs> going to Wilson, Wilson wasn't covering up any scandals or anything. Also by, true. Yeah. Uh, rushing a ceremony. And so, uh, yeah. So that no, helps. I, I think it's great. And, and his name now, when, you know, when you walk in the stadium, 
it's it's right there when you come in the main gate. It's on the yeah. on the field house mm-hmm. there, and then um, and then or, and then when you see the scoreboard, it's on there too at the other end of the field. So I think that's also a great touch. And eventually, they're going to have um, have some uh, some plaques there when you come in the gate, great. telling all about. Uh, both Gary Kessler and Steve Guyman and what they've accomplished. So, yeah, Wilson Wilson did a nice job. Kudos to, to the school and to everybody involved and to the Augusta County School Board, too, for for approving that and, and really getting the ball rolling. Well, now I want to ask you about your take on Wilson's football team and their recent struggles here because they have yeah. gone from one of the teams that looked like, you know, maybe the third-best team in the Shindoah District to now, man, I, I hope they make the playoffs in 3C. Yeah, I mean, um, this was a team I think we all thought coming into the season that they were the third best team in that district. And we thought, you know, they could could make a lot of noise. And it looked like early in the season they were. And now here they've they've normally dropped three in a row, but four out of five games, um, their their stud running back, uh, Noah Campbell, has been hurt. Uh, It was hurt. uh, This missed the, the game against Stewart's draft. There's a question about whether he'll be back for Buffalo Gap. Uh, they had to play, you know, three games in eight days, which is just it's just crazy. I mean, somebody somebody should have stepped in somewhere along the line and said, "No, we're not going to let this happen." We got um, more teams doing it. This couple with Strasburg's about to do it. No, and, and, you know, in Rock, what, Thursday, Rockbridge did Rockbridge did three in seven days. Right? Seven, yeah. So, yeah. Unless you ask Rockbridge, so, but yeah. And it's three and eight. Um, but yeah. <laughs> yes. I mean, uh, I, I don't know. I, I just, I, I think for a team that was kind of on a roll and, and you wonder about, you know, an injury to, to a running back when they're playing that many games and they did that contribute to it. And, you know, you, you, you can't say for sure that it did, but it didn't help. Right. Um, so, so I, it hurts you, know, you they, less they, if you don't have games stacked on top of each other. You have well, time to. It's to a get kid they better. use. I mean, yes. Yeah. It's a kid they it, use it, a lot in a game. And you, you could see that this week against Stewart's draft, what that offense looks like when he's not there. Yeah, it's a totally different offense, right? I mean, I mean, when he's there, he can cover up a lot of flaws that that Wilson team might have. Um, and, and without him, him, they did not look very good. And, you know, the, the game this Friday night is so big for both Wilson and Buffalo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, both of them need a win. And if Noah Campbell is, is somehow there, and I haven't heard anything other than Friday night when I was talking to some, some of the, um, the Wilson people on the sideline, uh, they said, you know, there's, you know, we kind of hope he's back for Friday night. But it, when they say it, it didn't sound like they were real confident that that, right. that would happen, um, it, at least not at a hundred percent. And so then the question becomes: Do you play him if he's not a hundred percent? Do you play him Friday night in a game that's huge, or do you hold him out another week and and, and hope that you can can pull off the win and yeah. make the playoffs and you have him healthy for the playoffs? So yeah, I'm, a, I'm afraid tough... if they don't win Friday, that <laughs> him you don't coming back in the last yeah. game just might be for his finale. I, I it, it, but that's no, that's not the real reason to risk a kid's well-being either. So it's just, a, it's, it's a, you're not going to win either way yeah. uh, in the decision making, and and hopefully, hopefully they can either find a way to win without him and <laughs> and and give him opportunity to play in the postseason, or uh, he plays and he's and he's good enough to play. 
But well, if they look anything like they did Friday night yeah. without him, uh, they they don't beat Buffalo Gap Friday nope. night. Um, so they really do need him. And you're right; you don't want to risk the kid's health. Um, and and I'm sure Wilson's not going to put him out there unless they feel confident that he's yeah. he's healthy enough to play. But maybe that's not at 100, percent right? He can still go out there and play and and not risk your health and and still only be at maybe you know 90 percent or something. Um, but I think right now, the way they look Friday night, 80% of Noah Campbell would be, uh, would be huge for them because they need something uh, to, to – now, if he's there and he's playing well, that game Friday night is, is kind of a toss-up. That'll be a great game. Uh, but without him, then, then I think that's, a, that's Buffalo Gap's game to lose. So. Yeah, I mean, but four first downs the entire game. I mean, yeah, yeah, one of those not, came late. That looked good and – you know, I like Aiden Podgorski. I think he's a he's a he's got some some talent, but you know, there's just I, I don't know. I, it, it just I, I didn't I, I didn't feel much out of their passing game that I liked. Yeah. And, and without last Noah two Campbell, games, he hasn't. Yeah, these last two games, he hasn't been good enough. No, no, he hasn't been. And 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 without Noah Campbell, you know, Skyler Whiting's a good running back, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think he's much better when you've got Noah Campbell in there, and and you can can use Skyler. Um, yeah. as kind of the, the second running back. And then all of a sudden, Skyler can look good. But if he's your main main running back, then your, your offense loses something. So. Yeah. I, I mean, to be fair, I mean, some people might be listening and being like, well, I mean, Wilson just played, you know, Riverheads and then, and then Stewart's draft, two best teams. And, you know, and you guys always say they're the best two teams. But if you're yeah. the third best team, you, you don't have that excuse. You, you know, you should be playing in those ball games. You shouldn't be getting beat by 40, 50 points. Like, you should be competing in those ball games. If if Wilson goes out there last week and and loses, but still, you know, it's a ball game in the second half, you know, I'm not down on him right now. You know, I'm like, okay, that's a probably somewhere in the range of what we are expecting. But you, I know it's high school, and you can't expect every team to, you know, be able to withstand an injury to your best player and still play half decent. But, I mean, they've just fallen off the cliff here, and it's 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 disappointing that – they didn't have a more rounded offense that I thought early in the season you were seeing that. And I know his presence makes it more dynamic, but, but still the defense giving up 40 and 50 points in these games, that, that doesn't help you either. You look at Stewart's draft and, and yes, they are the second best team in that district, but Buffalo gap the week before game or game, right? I mean, yeah. Buffalo gap right. within, a, within a touchdown of them, late in that game. Right. And, you know, they get a break or two. Who knows? Maybe Buffalo Cap is able to pull the upset off. <laughs> they, they, um, they just don't break themselves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, so that, you know, you, you watch Buffalo Gap play competitively against Stewart's draft. And, and then you watch Stewart's draft just go out and absolutely annihilate Wilson. Um, and, and you see the difference between those two teams, Buffalo Gap and, and, and Wilson, with you know Wilson without Noah Campbell, you see the big difference. And you're right. I, I think you know it's a lot to ask when you lose your best running back from a high school team, but they've got enough talent out there that you would think they would have at least been competitive, competitive for a half, right? I mean, right. Four first half points. Game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, I totally agree. With you. Um, this this Friday night's huge, and we'll see we'll see where they are. They they've got a week to rest, and we'll see what happens. All right, Patrick, I know you've been, you know, every evening you're at a different school board meeting and uh, you're running around, you know, campaign related uh, events. 
But when you get a minute at home, when even if you have to stay up late for it, what what's on the TV right now? What what are you binging? What's what's on Patrick's non sports, non politics? Uh, you know, maybe politics, entertainment style. Maybe you're on West Wing again. But where, where are you at on the binging? You know, the show I had I, I never watched um, when it was on, and so I decided to to start was uh, was Parks and Rec. Like I never oh. watched Parks and Rec when it was on, and it's on Peacock now. So, I don't know, maybe several weeks ago, I decided, oh, what the heck, I'll, I'll give it a shot. And, yeah, I love it. I mean, I, I know that I'm way behind on that. It's, but hey. I, I, I love that show, and I, I think it's very funny. And I'm in Seattle, you know, where I'm at now. I think I'm in season four or something now because it just, uh, when, when you watch it on Peacock, it just you know, kind of keeps chugging along, and I can't keep up with what season I'm in. But, uh but I think I'm on about season four now or something. So, I mean, that's the same producers and stuff as, as office. And I mean, that director, sure. He does a great job at creating these character. I mean, Ron Swanson is just an all time character. Just, I mean, you can't put a show just on him, but you can, I mean, him being a piece of that show. He's, he's just one of my favorite characters of all time. I mean, he's the, you know, that oddball, so stuck in his ways, Dwight kind of character, but without all the just odd craziness, but and, and unless he's been drinking, uh, but, uh, you know, he's such a great character. And then, like, I mean, you look at Aubrey Plaza's character and Chris Pratt's character, like all of them are so good in those characters. And, and when you get Rob Lowe there, it's I, I love that show. I, I, I mean, obviously, I'm an office guy, but uh, every time I watch a show, I'm laughing, even even on repeats that I'm watching for the fifth time now. Yeah, no, I, I think I think you're right. I think it's a great ensemble. Uh, you know, the cast is just wonderful together. And I've really, I, I, I kind of knew bits and pieces. Like I occasionally would come across it when it was on TV and I would see it a little bit, but, but I had just never sat down and watched it from the start. And um, I'm, I'm glad I am. So that's, that's the show. One show I have been watching here recently. I know succession is back uh-huh. and I need to watch it, but I have not started uh, season three of that yet. I just yeah. have not had time over the last uh couple of weeks very hey, different Disney, kind of that, feel. that is on my list very different Disney kind of days feel. coming too <laughs> what, what was that jogo i said succession very different kind of feel to parks and rec <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah not, not exactly the same same type of <laughs> yeah you might be laughing but for different reasons yeah you, you got disney day coming up though too you got a lot of big stuff on what is that like november 12th or something when they celebrate their disney plus anniversary yeah, I think that's right. I, 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 I've not been. I need to watch more Disney Plus. I haven't been watching as much of that recently. With all the, um, you know, they have all the, the the Marvel stuff on, and they haven't had a a new Marvel thing out for a while. So I haven't watched a lot of Disney Plus. Um, it's all I haven't watched a lot of TV. <laughs> Is it, see, I, I need to watch more of it, but but I just I got, have not watched. Uh, watched I got three nine and under, so Disney is the only like safe thing, like. If it's Disney Plus, okay, watch whatever you want. It's fine. <laughs> Plus, Netflix, the, you gotta watch. Is once the NFL season starts, you know, my Sundays, yeah. it's like sit down at one o'clock and, and turn the red zone on, and, and yes. I'm out till yes. <laughs> 7.30 or whatever. So uh, that blow, that used to be a day that I could watch a lot of TV, and now it's, I am still watching a lot of TV. It's just all football. So. <laughs> Well, but um, you were talking about Parks and Rec, and I want to go back to that for a second. I think what makes that show so great is those people just play themselves. Like, that's – Aziz Ansari is Aziz Ansari. 
in that. And uh, Offerman, Nick Offerman is Nick Offerman. And <laughs> Aubrey Plaza is Aubrey Plaza. Like, they're playing themselves. And that's what makes that show so great. Exaggerated versions, yeah. Yeah, a little bit yeah. exaggerated. Although I think April Ludgate may be like a more toned down version of Aubrey Plaza in a way. <laughs> because, I mean, I love her. And I'll watch anything she's in. But she is weird. But <laughs> you watch her do interviews on TV and stuff, and you're like, yeah, she's weird. You know, I used to, I'm a I'm a huge um, comedy bang bang fan uh, on podcasts. <laughs> I don't know if you guys are familiar with that at all, but uh, they used to have a lot of uh, of Parks and Rec uh, uh, actors and on the on the show and um, did some some and even some of the producers and some of the uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, directors of that show on. So you know, I w- it was one of those things that I I was obviously familiar with the show and knew a lot about it, but I'm I'm glad I'm finally actually. Uh, watching it now and I, you know I, I don't want to break this through, but i think i like it better than uh i think i like it better than the office so. oh and you ruined it yeah ruined the interview Way to go. with one line well <laughs> hope you enjoyed 18, 18. 18 is where we stop yep. hope you enjoyed line. it <laughs> you know I, I, the office is one of those weird shows like i like the office i've never fallen in love with the office and i don't know why because it's very similar. I mean, there's a lot of similarities to that in Parks and Rec. Parks the, and credit, Rec the credit I used to get Parks and Rec because it came on when Office was still on. And, like, season three of Parks and Rec was when, like, it was season eight or nine of Office, I think. And I said at the time, I said, right now, Parks and Rec is a better show than The Office, you know, where those are. Because Office tailed off at the end, and Parks sure. and Rec probably is in the middle of its prime in season three. So I give it that credit, and I think – I think Parks and Rec stayed really strong, and and when you get to their final season, you'll see what they do there. And I give them a lot of credit of keeping that show fresh. Um, but overall, though, those first four seasons of Office, yeah, I think are, are better than the best of Parks and Rec. So, and, and you know, I, I, there are certainly episodes of of The Office that I think are just some of the the best TV ever done. I, I think there's some great Have you? episodes of Office. It just wasn't something that I love from episode to episode to episode. I, I don't know how to explain it. I just, I'm, I, I'm not down in the office. I think it's a great no, show. No, you did. No, it's okay. You're <laughs> wrong. It's fine. <laughs> but it's just not, it's not like, like, you know, I, I'm, I'm a community fan. I love community. And then Parks and Rec and then probably the office. My God, they have community one. <laughs> three I love community. Community so I like weird. community, but I, community that's the one I so like. I don't love. Is an oddball show, and I love oddball shows. And 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 I just think it's weirder than the other two by far. Some of those episodes are just so strange, and that's yeah. I like that kind of stuff. So, have you seen the super fan episodes on Peacock of The Office? Um, I have not. <laughs> yeah, but, you should watch those. That's where they like okay. intertwine the deleted scenes where they would have gone in the episode. <laughs> I'll, I'll check that out. Oh, there's maybe, some stuff maybe, I wish they hadn't taken re-watch. out. Maybe I'll watch The Office from start to finish after I finish yes. this and, and give it another shit. You know, I'll, well, uh, watch the first I'll three seasons Super Fans. Yeah, okay. when you rewatch the first three seasons, you should do the Super Fan episodes because they've got the first three seasons Super Fan episodes out. It's weird with The Office. I think I've, I've, I've seen every episode, but I'm not, I can't swear that I've seen them all in order. It's one of those weird things that you know I would sit down when it's on TV on a Saturday or something 
and they're just playing them back to back. I'll sit down and watch them. And so, I, you know, I know I've seen all the episodes. It's just, I'm not sure if I've ever actually seen them straight through in order. So maybe I should do that. Before I, before I criticize it anymore, maybe I should sit down and watch it. I, I think after you've thrown the shade, uh, we're going to require <laughs> that before you come back on. So <laughs> yeah, get busy. Okay, F- okay. Football playoffs are coming, so you better hurry up. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get on that. all right well let's get out of here with you patrick thanks for coming on for the 18th time you've probably dedicated between our pre and post game conversations you've probably dedicated close to 18 hours of time to this podcast so we really appreciate you and uh we look forward to having you on the 19th time after you've watched the office and uh you know cleaned up your act yeah okay i'll I'll work on that and uh (laughs) I'll always enjoy being on, guys. Thank you. Appreciate it. D block time here on the Experts Podcast. Thanks again to Patrick Height coming on. Uh, definitely has been on the most on the podcast. We always appreciate his insight, and uh, we always have good conversations about the binging. Those are we should probably have time just for our binging part of the interview with him because that usually. Uh, matches the rest, but uh, always, always happy to have him on. Yes. In the D block, let's talk about, let's just stick it, keep it to uh, what's dominating our lives. Joe, what's dominating your life? Well, what has been dominating my life was Liverpool absolutely dismantling yes, Manchester United that. five to nil. That is a rival. Yes. That is a team that is supposed to be a contender. They brought in it's Cristiano before. Yeah, yeah, they brought in Cristiano Ronaldo <laughs> uh, to you know be this team that was going to challenge for the Premier League, and then they don't even score a goal against us. We score five. Eight shots on target, five found the back of the net, four shots on target for Man United where they only scored zero. They had a guy get red carded in the 60th. We actually didn't score after the red card. Uh, but Mo Salah has a hat trick in that match, and it just goes to show, I, you know, I told Brad this. To me, Mo Salah should be the Ballon d'Or winner this year, which is the award given to the best player uh, in soccer. Uh, I just think he's proven it this year. I mean, he is tearing up the English Premier League. Ronaldo is not – sorry, no. You don't play your biggest rival and get shut out and, and win the Ballon d'Or when the other guy hat tricks on you. Um, and so for me, I think, I think that just goes to show you what he's able to accomplish. Messi's playing in the French League, which is outside of the team he's on is garbage. Um, so I, I think he's doing a stiffer competition and – for Liverpool, it's a huge win because it puts them right there, still in the thick of things for the Premier League title. So this award for the best player is across leagues? Yes, across all the leagues in FIFA. It's really, though, between the wow. European leagues because no one outside of that's going to win. Yeah. Okay. Is there just a, like an MVP or best player just for the Premier League? I'm sure there is, yes. There's a Premier, okay. Premier League player of the year. I'm sure he will win that. Uh, but yeah, right as it stands right now, Liverpool's a point behind Chelsea at the top. Uh, they're a point ahead of Manchester City, which is important. Um, but yeah, Manchester United taking that loss drops them to seventh. They're now out of the Champions League spots. But again, they've only played nine matches so far, and they've still got a, quite a ways to go. So be interested to see how that shakes out. But uh, very impressed with the start for Liverpool. And uh, Klopp, that was his 200th win as manager of Liverpool. So... It's just, it's awesome. 
All right, what's dominating my life uh, with three kids in the house and a wife that likes to make those kids happy. Halloween is dominating my life. Uh, so while Stephanie has been creating grand costumes, grand decorations, uh, we're having you know some other families with uh, little ones in the backyard for Halloween instead of everybody going out trick or treating. We're keeping it keeping it tight and uh, safe and and outside and healthy. Um, we she while she does all that, my contribution is we checked out on Disney Plus the Just Beyond show. R.L. Stein. Uh, I think I mentioned it last week, but we've actually watched a couple episodes now. And man, it, it takes you back. I'm, I, I'm not exactly, I wasn't Mr. Reader when I was a kid, but when I did read, a lot of times they were Goosebump books. And uh, man, these half an hour shows, it's like a Goosebump book in one. And not that I know that it came straight from any book or anything, but just the, the tropes and the way they go about it just reminds me of the book so much where stuff's creepy, but not terribly scary. The, uh, you know, the risk is only so much, you know, you don't, you don't, I'm not saying a lot of people knocked off here. Um, wow. and usually you're satisfied at the end one way or the other. So, uh, it's good for my, my kids. They need that, that upward swing at the end. Um, a couple moments of some pretty good tenseness. Um, but yeah, it's good. And so it's good for the family and, uh, I actually, I, I don't know if it's a full recognition. I'm only a couple episodes in, but like, wasn't the worst thing I've ever watched. And plus they're quick enough that even if it's not as great as some programming that I prefer to watch, it's still nice. And uh, so it's good. So anybody listening with, with the younger audience, uh, it's not a recommendation, but a, you'll be okay. And you'll have a good time with, uh, with those that like it more. So uh, check that out on Disney plus. Uh, just beyond, and it's it's right there in all their Halloween collection stuff. Joe, is there like a Halloween movie that you go to, uh, like a traditional Halloween movie for you? Because I, I really don't have one. I've never been like the Hocus Pocus guy. I've never been, um, you know, other than maybe Charlie Brown and that pumpkin. Like, I, outside of that, I don't think I grew up on it. I've never been into Halloween. I've just never been into it. Yeah, I mean, it's not a Halloween, I'm, or it's not a holiday I'm super into. Um I am glad you mentioned the name of the show again because I think when we talked on the phone, it's like, yeah, it's R.L. Stein's Goosebumps or whatever, um, <laughs> which apparently is not the name of the show. But, um, <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, Just no, beyond. yeah, I, I do remember watching Hocus Pocus as a kid. I still like Hocus Pocus, the movie. I think it's fine. Um, we watched it last year, and I hadn't seen it since I was probably their age. So yeah. Uh, it's probably been a few years since I've seen it, uh, but I guess for a Halloween, like I'm more of the like watch scary shows and scary movies that you would not watch if you have kids in the room. Yeah, unless well, okay, you so what, never want them is to there sleep a again. Go-to or a or a series. Like, are you a Jason guy? Or are you? Um, I think you know. honestly, if you're looking for a series, uh, they're all limited series. But The Haunting of Hill House, uh, The Haunting of Bly Manor. And uh, his new show that came out this year, Midnight Mass, I think all three of those are great. I would put Hill House 1, Midnight Mass 2, Bly Manor 3. But I enjoyed all three of those. Uh, Netflix has some originals that they've come out with. Um, I think the movies are called Fear Street movies. There's like a trilogy of those that they came out with this year, earlier in the year for some reason. Um, But those were pretty good. Uh, and I think 
I'm trying to think now. I mean, there's the problem is I've watched so many because there's like Huluween, there's Netflix Halloween section, there's Peacocktober or whatever they call it, um, Spooktaculars or whatever. Um, I've watched a whole bunch on a bunch of different streaming services, but yeah, I just I think those are. Um, the Strangers is probably though my favorite horror movie, just because that's the one movie I've been like genuinely scared. Um, unlike other horror movies, where like the entire time you're sitting there going, "Man, these characters are dumb. Why are you doing that? Don't go in there." Um, I felt like watching that movie. I was like, "Yeah, there's not a whole lot of like the main characters making poor decisions for the sake of we need the story to advance in this way." Um, yeah. And honestly, like, for a while there, like, I've always kind of wanted to be like, oh, like, living in the Great Smoky Mountains would be awesome. Just secluded, you know, with with your family, the ones that are special to you, just out there enjoying it. After seeing this movie, I'm like, ah, maybe it's a vacation thing. Like, maybe we don't live out there. Because... Yeah, I grew up in a house up in the woods all by itself. So, yeah, that, that don't phase me. Yeah, I'm telling you, though. Like, <laughs> watching this movie, I was like, uh uh no i need to like be able to if i run out of the house i need there to be like other people within earshot like (laughs) i mean it was it was enough to like and i remember uh the first time i saw it was in a regular theater but then uh my buddy and i they had it again at jmu at the college theater for like the discount theater it was like a dollar to get in or whatever yeah and we went and i remember walking back that night and I was genuinely scared because, the like, of course, that's the night where the parking, the street lights aren't working. And so it's all just pitch black. And I'm like, oh, we're going to get murdered, like, walking to our car. Like, and I'm telling you, that movie genuinely scared me uh, to the point where, yeah, like, I was like, maybe I don't want to live in the woods anymore. Um, so I'd say yeah, that one's up there. I'm not into the scary. I don't find them entertaining. It's just not the way I operate. I don't mind. Conjuring uh, movies are great, though. Those are good ones. What movies? The Conjuring movies. Those are great. Yeah. Any like any of the Friday the Thirteenth and all those. I'm I'm just not into those or the horror. Like I'm just I'm just not into. I don't find it entertaining. Um, I'm more of a. I can handle tense movies, but it also can't be like the no matter what. There's no win here uh, situation because those just get on my nerves. Like you, you got to have some kind of hope. Um, so I'm just in that area. Generally though, I, I stick away from the scary movies just because. I, you know, call me a scaredy cat or whatever. I just, I don't find it entertaining. It's not like I come out of that and like, I'm happy this, I watched this. I'm happy I had this feeling. So uh, that's where I'm at. So I would I, I stick to the kid stuff. I'm with the kid stuff. Yeah. I'm with R.L. Stein. That's my vibe. I would say if you want like a suspenseful thing for you, Midnight Mass. It's not really scary. It's more of a suspense yeah. kind of deal. Uh, and it, I think it's like six episodes. But yeah, that was really good. Well, that will do it for us on this episode of the Yak Sports Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Until next week, when we'll be talking about uh, more high school sports, including high school football, high school volleyball, the cheer competitions that are going on this week, as well as the cross country events that are wrapping up. Those will We're all... a lot of PowerPoints next week. Yeah, well, Leland will bust out his calculator and. Tell us oh, it's about, all Excel sheet, man. It's all automatic. Yeah, it's he'll all, tell us, you know, what each team needs to roll on their saving throw to make the playoffs or whatever this nerd's <laughs> going to talk about. But he'll have us covered there, and uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll go from there. 
And uh, we'll talk about Virginia Tech losing to Georgia Tech in uh, another way that Leland will have two more coaches he's interested in maybe for us. Yeah, I'm going to have new coaches every week, at least one every week. And hopefully JMU will be one step closer to being official. So until yep. then, we'll have all that and more for you on the Yak Sports Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week. Uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Yak Sports Pod, Facebook Yak Sports Pod. You can email us, yaksportspod at gmail.com. Subscribe on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify so you never miss another episode. Until next week, folks, be sure to interact with us on those social medias, too. We love to engage our audience. Uh, Tell us where we're wrong. Tell us where we're right. Tell us what you think uh, on any of these. What are your Halloween movies that you're going to be watching this week? Any of that. Uh, And we will talk about it next week. Until then, folks, enjoy your Halloween and have a great week. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.